At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slate Money is brought to you by Braintree. Looking to set up payments for your business? Braintree gives your app or website a payment solution that accepts just about every method with one simple integration. Plus, we'll give you your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com slash slatemoney. And by ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 job sites with a single click and an interface that's easy to use. And right now, you can try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash SlateMoney. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SlateMoney. And by The Message, an original science fiction podcast from Panoply and GE Podcast Theater. All of season one is available now, so listen and find out why a 70-year-old alien recording seems to be killing people. Search for The Message on iTunes. I'm Gretchen Rubin. And I'm Elizabeth Kraft, her sister and happiness guinea pig. Every week on our podcast, we talk about a try this at home tip for making your life happier. Which try this at home tip do you think listeners have most responded to? Without question, the one minute rule. Oh, the rule that anything that you can do in less than a minute, you do without delay. Yes, put a dish in a dishwasher, hang up a coat, whatever. I have to say, this has improved my marriage because my husband is neat and I'm not. And this is a good example of that happiness can feel very transcendent and abstract, but sometimes it's the little practical things that give us the biggest happiness boost. Search for Happier wherever you find your podcast. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, and welcome to the mega merger edition of Slate Money, your guide to the business and finance news of the week, or possibly the year, I don't know. I feel that this year has been a big year for something we don't talk about all that much, seeing as how this is a business and finance show, uh, which is 
corporate finance, mergers and acquisitions. So we're going to devote this entire episode to, I promise it's not as boring as it sounds. <laughs> or at least it won't be because we have Kathy O'Neill, the data scientist and blogger at mathbabe.org. Hello. Hello, Kathy. And even more excitingly, we don't have the slate resident millennial, Jordan Wiseman, who's staycating right now and and instead we have and probably eating a mcdonald's every morning and probably having a mcriddle as we speak we are very blessed to be joined by the one and only jim ledbetter who runs inc magazine and also hosts a awesome panoply podcast called inc uncensored uh, and no truth to the rumor that we're merging with slate money but is is there truth to the m- rumor that you're in talks with Atlantic we're, Media? We're to in buy play. Quartz? We're in. Yeah, our Every, podcast is in play. The podcast is in play. Everyone is in play. Every, there's a, it's a big like media gossip day today. There's newspapers being bought in Nevada and, and in China. Hong Kong, and and, and also um, Quartz is apparently up for sale. Really? That's what the that FT goes perfectly is with our theme. I did not see that. Yeah. Who would buy Quartz? Axel Springer. Right. Maybe. Or any number of people. Is there a price tag associated with it? No, there isn't. But they said the revenues are now $15 million, So if you take the standard new media multiple of, what, six, seven times, it's like $100 million. Yeah, interesting. What do you think? Kathy, would you pay $100 million for quartz? Um, it's hard to imagine having $100 million. Uh, let me think about that. I, if you had $100 million, would you spend it on a website? No. 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 That's not, pretty not, actually. Not, it turns not, out that's course. easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you had $13.9 billion, right. Kathy, what would you spend it on? I would spend it on a coffee company called Keurig. Um, and I would be a very rich Is this German family. One? Topic one is the merger, is the acquisition of Keurig Green Mountain by JAB Holding Company. For how much? For $13.9 billion. That's a lot of money. Okay. So so this week I saw something which I've never seen before, and I thought this is something we need to talk about on the podcast, which is the phrase coffee platform. Oh, is that what the Keurig K-Cup situation is called? Well, it's no. But I, well, it's the acquirer is building out a global. Oh coffee yes, platform. they are. Listen, listen to me. This is called the JAB Group Holding Company. It's basically just a very, very rich German family. I don't know anything about. Maybe you do, Felix. We could talk about the family. Um, but they, in the last three years, have acquired a bunch of coffee companies. So they've acquired some of them. I don't know. Masters Blenders, DE Masters Blenders, Jacobs Dower Egberts, Caribou Coffee Company, sure. Pete's Coffee and Tea, we might have sure. heard of, Stumptown Coffee Roasters, sure. and Intelligentsia Coffee, which I've never heard of. Oh, no. oh Intelligentsia? You haven't heard of Intelligentsia? No. Intelligentsia is like if you're... So I am of the opinion, and I can't repeat this often enough, and I completely agree with Tyler Cowan on this one, who I think I stole it from, that there is no such thing as too many hipster coffee shops. <laughs> the hipster coffee shops are always and everywhere a good thing. And Intelligentsia is a hipster coffee shop, just like Blue Bottle, just like Stumptown, just like all of the other ones. And they make good coffee, just like La Colombe. And the more we have of those, the better. I kind of agree. I mean, just on like 14th and 15th, between on, on 6th Avenue, between 14th and 15th, there's like Fika and Think Coffee. And we need both of them because the line at Fika sometimes gets kind of long. But so by contrast, the there can be too many Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. Is that is that a correct oh, corollary? Can, yes, or absolutely. Corollary? And, and, and the, there's been an ongoing slate money debate about Starbucks, which is a kind of 
sub-debate of the McDonald's debate. Right. And <laughs> and my, my theory about Starbucks is that it was helpful in bringing up the minimum quality yes. of American quality, yes. uh, of American coffee. British Star- too, by the way. Starbucks it, is bad coffee. Yeah. But it, it, they, at least it made people realize just how bad even worse coffee was. That's right. Okay, so let's talk about bad coffee. Because um, the thing about this this coffee platform that JAB is setting up, and we'll talk about Keurig too because it's an interesting company in itself, but they're trying to compete with Nestle, which is like... Which is Nespresso. Yeah, Nespresso, and it's and huge in Nescafe, Europe. Nescafe, yeah. Yeah, and, and also a lot of instant coffee. No, no, yeah, exactly. Nescafe is is really bad coffee. Yeah. Like when I was growing up in England, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Coffee it, was it, instant if, coffee. If, if, yes. It's still in parts of England, if you order a coffee, you will, the default will be instant coffee. But because here, why aren't you ordering tea? Is and, the, and is the would, application, you, because you haven't ordered tea, we're going to give you this crap. <laughs> and one of the things, one of the things that, I grew up with was television ads for instant coffee. It was one sure. of the most oh, yeah. advertised um, things on the on the um, on the telly was ads for instant coffee, and the ads for instant coffee were always this tastes just as good as if you'd brewed it. <laughs> So the funny thing about Felix it is Felix never has a second cup at home. Let's let's <laughs> let's stick with instant coffee for a second. The play that I think that they're trying to make here with buying up all these coffee companies is just to have this huge coffee network, but it's the the growth in coffee isn't so much in this country mm-hmm. or in Europe even. It's in the emerging markets. So like for example, I went to Ghana a few years ago and not many people drank coffee, but people were starting to drink coffee and the only available coffee was instant coffee. So I think that is where they're really trying. And believe it, I mean, it's like Western Africa. They don't drink coffee. In Eastern Africa, they make coffee, but it's this weird thing. So I want to ask you about this acquisition of Keurig Green Mountain, which makes those horrible sort of coffee capsule machines, pods, pods in which you find only in like bad offices because no one in their hotels. And... I just thought that the world had moved on because people realized how bad that coffee is and they've either started making good coffee or not, at least bought an espresso machine not, or something. It's not the method, is it? It's 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 the quality of the coffee in the pod. Presumably, if you had decent coffee in the pod, it could make you a decent cup guys, of coffee. Guys, I want to remind you of something. And I feel like I feel like Jordan over here talking about McDonald's, but do you remember how bad the coffee in offices was before yeah. K-Cups? Yeah. It was like a pot of coffee made who God knows when. And it was like six hours later, and you right. finally it's, found it. Oh, wait, are you it's talking burnt, about slate? Mr. Coffee. It's, it's burning at the bottom. It's burnt. It's kind of burnt it's at the bottom. Thick. Yeah. It's thick. It's like a spoon wouldn't wouldn't be able to stir it. Yeah. The K-Cups were actually kind of a big deal, Absolutely. and it was a good step forward. And the great thing about K-Cups, and I'll, I'll say the, all the positive things before I demolish it, because I hate K-Cups. The good thing about it is that any individual uh, would be able to use it, and like they wouldn't have to clean up anything. Right. The main proof. thing is like real coffee requires maintenance and nobody and, in a coffee yeah, office is willing to do that. And there's a whole thing of coffee grounds which you need to deal exactly. with and no one likes to they deal with coffee grounds. That. And this is where capsule capsules are a very very fast growing part of the coffee world. And K-cups are the biggest capsule platform in America. There's that word again. And Nespresso pods, which are vastly superior, are the biggest co- capsule platform in the world. And so now there's this huge fight between JAB and its platform and, and ne- ne- uh, Nestle and its platform as to who's going to win the This is like the wars. AOL Yahoo instant messaging battle of, <laughs> of the early aughts. So one of the things that they did that pissed people off, and I think one of the reasons that uh, Keurig was actually going down, its stock was going down until it just bought... Would, 
which brought it way back up, was that they made these machines called Keurig 2.0 machines, and they ref- the, the machines would refuse to allow generic K-cups wow. to be inserted. They, they had this little test to make sure it was a you know, Keurig-certified cup, and all these generic... Digital rights cup, management for coffee. Exactly what it was. It's just like the Kindle, you know, you yeah. couldn't export your Kindle books to other readers. You couldn't, you know, use generic cups and K-cups. People got pissed off by this, and they actually intro- reintroduced the old version where you're allowed to use generic cups. But this was a big problem. And sales went way down for the machines, but the sales went way up for the cups. So in some sense, they like they did this in a smart way. They're just like, we know people, once they have these machines, have to buy the cups that go along with them. It's awful. And it's, yeah, it's the razors and the razor blade strategy, but it seemed to, you know, it's a strategy which works until what, what it doesn't. Mean? Razor, razor blade. Give, the, uh, give the, the razor away for free and sell you the blades. Oh. Uh, it's, is that true for like men's razors? It Definitely. was now. No, now they charge you a lot for the razor. But in the old but they, days, but they still make their, the real yeah. money on the blades. I no, see. no one actually makes money selling razors. It does seem crazy how expensive razor blades are. It's a separate conversation. Well, yeah, a certain Slate Money sponsor who's not sponsoring us this week, so we're not going to talk about them. <laughs> trying to disrupt that business. Um, so yeah, so the question which I have for you, Kathy, is. $13.9 billion. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's, I, you know, they bought it at basically $92 a share, which was almost twice what they, they were selling, the shares were selling at a week ago. So the question is, why did JAB Holdings pay too much for it or pay so much for it? Yes, and what's the answer? I, I don't really have a theory about that. Jim. Uh, so let, let's guess and or stipulate that consumers don't care, right? The, the brands matter. Arguably, there are Pete's fans, there are Stumptown fans, but they don't really care who signs the checks. We, we, we agree that that's, yeah. that's almost certainly the case. Um, then I, I can only assume it's efficiencies from, from economies of scale, right? That, that, that somehow the, the, the distribution networks can be streamlined. The... I'm, sure that it's, it, it, I, I'm sure that there's an argument that it's worth it to them that yeah. much to pay that much. But why didn't they just get to pay less than that? Like, why did Couric hold out for that price? I don't understand why they didn't get a little bit less. Well, I think I, the way that M&A works is if you want to take over a public company, you generally need to pay a significant premium yeah. to the stock price. You oh, can't this is just, quite a premium. You, you can't just, like, go in and pay 10% more and board of directors can be, oh, okay. Why is that? Because it's not you're losing the optionality, yeah. right? The, if, if you're traded on the stock market, there's a huge option value to holding the stock and possibly seeing it go up. So you lose all of that option value by selling. It's just, you're just collapsing. If you are a director. If you're a director, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they hold out. So, yeah, m- most takeovers of public companies, you know, you, it's very common to see 50, 75% premiums to, you know, the stock, where the stock price was, especially in the case of a company like Keurig, where the stock price was actually in the hundreds not that long ago. Right. So it's like, it's not unthinkable. It, in, in the relatively recent past, it was worth this much. And so why should we care too much about what it was worth yesterday? So are we thinking like they, their owners, they, they have lots of stocks in this company whose value is quite variable. And when they get bought, they, they lose that variability. It's just a, st- a stuck number at that point. Exactly. Interesting. And variability and has somehow, value. Somehow, somehow it gets made up for it by the very large check that ends up in their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for coffee. I need to... Um, Thank Braintree for sponsoring us this week because they're awesome. It's a beautiful thing when your customers want to pay you, but 
What if they could pay in a million different ways? Well, maybe not a million, but Braintree lets you accept every conceivable form of payment, including Apple Pay, PayPal, Android Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, you name it. You can take them all in, get this, 130 different currencies. You're not even constrained to the dollar anymore. As your company grows, Braintree will be there as the conduit for all of the money that's coming in. It's a great little thing. It just takes a couple of lines of code to get started. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com slash money. All right, so topic two is Yahoo. Yahoo! <laughs> oh, my God. So this is one. this is a fascinating story to me because I feel that People love to talk about Yahoo because it's this massive company we all know, and it almost everyone in America visits some kind of Yahoo site at some point over the course of the month. And I people, do. And really? People I think, would, yeah. stop right there. Like, what? I what, do. What? I, look at, I look at Yahoo Finance. Yeah, prob- Yahoo actually, Finance is actually probably every day. Okay. Besides people in finance who all look at my Yahoo Finance. Yahoo Sports is enormous. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yahoo Mail is huge. And there's just other whole swathes of bits and pieces. The Yahoo homepage still gets 200 million oh, yeah. visitors a day wow. or something. It's it's absolutely enormous. And so people think about it as a internet business, which has traffic, which sells ads, which has apps, which buys, you know, smaller internet businesses like Tumblr or, you know, little Flickr. news apps and Flickr. Yeah. Um, delicious? Didn't they buy Delicious? They did buy Delicious. Do you remember Delicious? I don't even, what is that? Delicious was the was the, the post tagging was the tagging post search site. It was it was just way too complicated. But there was this idea that <laughs> that we would find that we would find things on the internet through through kind of consensual tagging rather than search per se. Oh, um, and it might have worked, but no one really knew how to use it. And also, no one knew where to put the dots. Yeah, it was, it was like it was D E L dot I C I O U dot US. So you could you could say, oh, my friend was here and they liked this something product. like that. Every, everyone agrees that this is the best uh, entry about Chelsea or whatever, oh, and that that's that's how, how we would come to find content on the internet. There was there was a lot of talk in the late nineties about ontology. Yeah, and all that kind of went away with with Google. search, yeah. but. There was a time when everyone was really trying to solve the ontology problem on the internet, and that was part of it. But anyway, the fact is that for all that it, Yahoo does various bits and pieces of things on the internet at quite astonishing scale, if you look at the company called Yahoo, it's worth gazillions of dollars. So it's worth about $30 billion or $35 billion. And what people love to do is they love to do these things called sum of the parts valuations. Mm-hmm. So Jim and I used to work at Reuters next to the people at Breaking Views. And as far as I can make out, that's all that Breaking Views ever does. Is these, <laughs> like, so they, 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 they look at a company and say, well, this bit is worth this much and this bit is worth that much. And so the whole company is undervalued or overvalued. And Yahoo is the classic company you can do this with because – because it owns a very large stake in Alibaba, and right. Alibaba is a listed company, which you know how much that stake is worth to like the penny. It also ha- owns a very large stake in Yahoo Japan, and Yahoo Japan is also a listed company. You know how much that stake is worth. And if you add up the Alibaba stake and the Yahoo Japan stake, and then that number comes to more than the market capitalization of Yahoo. And so people are saying, therefore, buy. <laughs> so people are saying, well, how do we unlock this value? How and Yahoo the value. had an idea. 
Can I can I go back for one second? I'm just I'm I'm kind of all over the place today, but you know how we just talked about how um, JAB Holdings overpaid in a certain way; they paid right. more. Doesn't that kind of fly in the face of this breakdown by yes. by value? Yes and no. Uh, because the, we're, we're the, saying if like you the, buy a bunch of things in your basket, the beauty the beauty of you pay too much. The beauty of the free market. One of the beauties of the free market is there is no fixed right way to organize a company, to structure a company, right? I mean, the, we, we've gone through over the decades trends in conglomerates, trends toward breaking up conglomerates. I mean, I, you, Felix, you say Yahoo is a good example of this. Actually, I mean, Yahoo's like an extreme example of this. In fact, Yahoo doesn't even really make sense anymore as a, as a unified company. It is more like a receptacle into which a bunch of things have been dumped. Um, and and the, so, yeah, the, the plan was to sell the Alibaba stake. So the plan was to spin off the Alibaba stake and and give it to shareholders as a separate company called Abco. Mm. And for Alibaba Company. This is Clever. the creative things. That and so to sell it to Americans, though. No, no, just whomever. to spin it off. So who, whoever owns Yahoo's okay. shares right. would then would henceforth have Some Yahoo fraction shares. Of Abco and shares. also uh, you, you'd have like for every Yahoo share, you would also have an Abco share. Okay. And then the Abco share is basically just a hold, holding company which does nothing but hold a bunch of Alibaba stock and, you know, and wait for the fateful day that Alibaba finally gets around to buying it. But, yeah, so the IRS uh, um, refused to say that this would not be a taxable transaction. If it is a tra- taxable transaction, it's it not makes worth no doing. sense yeah. at all because shareholders wind up having to pay a massive tax bill on this I spin-off. See. And so now you, they've now started pondering, and this is my favorite thing of all, they've started pondering, well, what if we do it the other way around? And instead of spinning off the Alibaba shares to Yahoo shareholders, what happens if we spin off Yahoo Yahoo, to Yahoo shareholders? Which is the most wonderful... Yes. First of all, how would that work? And second of all, why would the IRS be okay with that? It's not a. It's not a. Uh, it's not a, f- a repatriation of of, uh, of foreign funds, right? That's that's the difference. I mean, I'm, there, I'm sure there would be tax consequences, but I don't well, think yeah, it would so, be. So, so that's actually an incredibly good question, Kathy. Um, basically, the Yahoo board is flailing. They they brought in this extremely glamorous and expensive CEO um, who, who just had pay, twins. Who just had twins? Congratulations, Marissa, and. The and she basically did nothing to the core business. It's it's managed to go absolutely nowhere since she came in. She's had massive executive turnover, and the core business has basically gone nowhere. But the share price has gone up because Alibaba went public, and, and they hired Katie Couric. <laughs> Can't say she did nothing. And and they hired Martha Nelson at a salary of five million dollars right. a year, which and is, Andy Serwer for that matter. But anyway. I, do you think he's getting paid five million dollars? No, a year? I do not. No. So actually, my my theory about this like valuation thing is if if if, if Yahoo is it totally makes sense from my perspective if Yahoo is like a shareholder in Alibaba and otherwise just loses money like hell, then it makes sense that it's overall worth less than. But it, I don't think it loses. It's six. Yeah. But it's just it's just not valued at a positive. Like if, if but if it does lose money, I'm just okay. Saying, so right? this is the idea that the board is now entertaining the idea that they could sell the what's known as the internet business of mm-hmm. Yahoo, which is basically everything that you've heard of. And if you put it up to the highest bidder, then there are people who would bid billions of dollars for it. How many billions we don't know. It might be one. It might be two. It might be five. But. It's, but, but Yahoo as a business is actually worth something. Okay. It's not, it only looks worthless if you consider the Alibaba stake and the Yahoo Japan stake 
if you value them fully. But there's no particular reason why you should value them fully because you can't really extract them from the company without paying taxes. Okay, maybe yeah, maybe that's just the difference, right? The ta- okay, well, I don't know how this all works. It seems pretty approximate to me, actually. The the breaking up of the valuation of companies. Well, yeah, I mean, the valuation of comp- well, the valuation of companies is not approximate at all. It's exactly the share price multiplied by the number of shares, and that's a very exact number which changes second to second, but how investors determine what's a sensible price that's on a short-term level it's pretty random it's just a random walk and on the long term you know share prices fluctuate and there's a bunch of assumptions built into them which you can argue with i think one of the big problems with yahoo as a company and and it was something that marissa was supposed to figure out and didn't figure out is they haven't really made the transition to mobile a, a very large share of that that massive audience that you talk about for their properties is desktop. And of course, desktop is um, still very valuable, but all the motion for from other companies is toward mobile. Um, and then, yeah, they, the, even within the internet business itself, there are all these kind of parts lying around that nobody knows what to do with. And, and you know, like Google, they're often in the, in the position of buying companies and then just kind of letting them die. Um, I have a great name for you, a great trivia name from approximately 10 years ago, Brad Garlinghouse. Ooh, do you no. remember do you remember the peanut butter manifesto of 2006? Brad Garlinghouse was like a VP of something at Yahoo and he wrote this thing oh, called the yeah. peanut butter manifesto this is back to me. in which he talked about the company as being like peanut butter like like spreading it really thin to the outskirts of the of the the, the piece of bread and that you know you don't you're not going to grow this company by spreading it a little further it's like we got to figure out what it is that we do that's at the core of the sandwich and concentrate it on that rather than trying to keep pushing out the and they still this is 10 years ago and they still haven't figured it out that I think is, is great is, to have Jim on the show. I really like him. Ah, next next week on Slate Money, let's talk about Jim Ledbetter. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Jim is just gonna you know take over Ramble. the world. It's a beautiful metaphor. It is a beautiful metaphor. It is a beautiful yeah. metaphor. Enduring, enduring. And then I remember uh, when there was the talk of merging Yahoo with Microsoft. I wrote a, b- a blog post saying you don't solve a peanut butter problem by putting jelly on top of it. <laughs> But you do. I love peanut butter and jelly. I do too, but... Okay. Um, Enough, Yahoo. Slate Money is also sponsored by ZipRecruiter. I feel that Marissa Mayer should be using ZipRecruiter to hire senior executives because she can't possibly do worse than she's been doing up until now. And ZipRecruiter has a gazillion candidates. Well, again, that's maybe a small exaggeration. It has over 6 million resumes on file. If you post a job ad using ZipRecruiter, as more than 400,000 businesses have done, they will find you the perfect candidate almost immediately, certainly within 24 hours. It's so much easier than trying to go to a million different job sites and post it all over the place. It's a one-stop, simple solution, and it has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They will fix everything if you don't love it. So try ZipRecruiter for free today by going to ziprecruiter.com slash slate money. That's ziprecruiter.com slash slate money to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash slate money. Jim Ledbetter, for the third and final merger 
of the week yes. that we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. So we're, I've decided we're not going to talk about Staples and Office Depot because okay. they're, they're not merging. Right, because there are antitrust concerns, actually. And so, like, but if Staples and Office Depot aren't allowed to merge, how on earth could this one happen? Yeah, so this one is, of course, uh, Dow Chemical and DuPont two of the largest chemical companies in the world, and the merger of them, which would create a company of approximately $92 billion in annual sales, would in fact be the largest chemical company in the world, taking over the current market leader, which is BASF, a German chemical concern. And where's Monsanto in that list? Uh, you know, Mons- it seems to me that, because uh, I, looked, I, I looked at that this morning um, with the same question in mind, Monsanto, I think, is categorized differently as an agriculture company. Most of the of the world's largest chemical companies are very closely related to oil companies. Mm. Uh, whereas Monsanto is, is, is strictly speaking a, an agricultural chemical uh, conglomerate. I think that's the answer. I see. Um, so that so that. But it's also huge, right? It's it's very large, uh, and 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 there are there are agricultural divisions of um, of both Dupont and and Dow Chemical, and that seems to be part of what is at the heart of this merger. So uh, a few things about this. Um, One is that even though it's creating a company with $92 billion in annual sales, this is not the largest merger of 2015. Mm. Um, It's not even in the top three because it's this is uh, or will end up being the largest year for mergers and acquisitions in American history. So what what are the top three? Uh, the top three are, give me one moment here. I just here want to say for the record that I, Jim is, came I prepared. I am prepared. Wow. Uh, the top three, one of them was um, Dell uh, ADP. Um, one of them is Pfizer Allergy. Gan, oh, and then right. of, and then of course Anheuser Busch InBev SAB Miller. Was that 2015? Yeah. Oh, but not wait, wait. SAB Miller and and Pfizer Allergan and Dow Dupont. The one thing which Del, all of I these Dell EMC. I'm sorry, I got the the name of that. The uh, one thing which all of these deals have in common is that none of them have actually closed. That's right. These and are, they're all going up in front of antitrust regulators, and the, and the regulators can all say no. So these they are announcements of intended mergers. Typically, rather. though, I mean there are. There are, of course, uh, exceptions, but usually what ha- happens is they'll have to sell off this or that. I, d- I doubt these mergers will be rejected altogether. All I- it could happen. Although Pfizer Allegan, that's like, you know, every single politician in America is railing against that one. And that always works. It's because of the inversions? Because it's an because it's inversion, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that Pfizer, which is a big company, is getting bought by Allegan, which is a smaller company, which just by coincidence happens to be headquartered in Ireland. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, so Is anything like that happening with DuPont and Dow? We are we are looking at four point three four four point five trillion dollars worth of mergers uh, adjusted for inflation. Two thousand seven probably edges it out, but at any rate, two thousand fifteen uh, comes very very close to being the biggest mergers and acquisition year. Why of is time. that, Jim? Yeah, so that's uh, a good question. Part of it clearly has to do with the durable availability of cheap money. Uh, that, but that, we've had cheap money for many years, yeah, right? And, and, this and is look a at, big, here's the chart. It's going here's up. Here's the chart. Yeah, that, it's going up. Uh, Jim, Jim is pointing at a chart imagine, which goes Imagine a chart that goes up. Right. Imagine, yes, imagine <laughs> a kind of hockey stick growth from left to right, uh, Begin, you know, uh, the, the trough of which, of course, is the... the, the so I have, I have a, a kind of theory about this, which is, you know, that the Fed has been dumping money out of helicopters for many years now, and, the first, and the first effect of that is 
for stock prices to go up and for bond prices to go up. And once the stock prices and the bond prices have gone up about as far as you think they can possibly go, then the effect of all of this liquidity, it just starts swirling around and what happens when liquidity swirls around is that you get mega mergers and that and art really, purchases and that really what happens in a mega merger is not that anything changes right most of well, the time it's it's change of ownership it's just different people and owning that, different I combinations mean, of that, stuff. But in, in this case it's actually their competitors they so. are competitors and and uh, here's the thing um uh, both of these companies within the last few months have been the target of well-known activist investors. In the case of DuPont, Nelson Peltz. In the case of Dow Chemical, Daniel Loeb. Um, and in both cases, what the activist investors were trying to do, which is what activist investors usually do, back to your point about valuations, is get enough of the company uh, to own it, to split it up, to spin off the value. Into, and that's actually what's going to happen. So they're going to come together to be very large and then split off into three parts. So this uh, is this is my, this is is my the thing I really love about this deal. And this is why one of the reasons I really wanted to talk about it is because normally when you get to $60 billion companies merging to become a $120 billion company, everyone goes, ooh, wow, that's huge. Huge. Now um, let's make it smaller. In this case, you have two... $60 billion companies merging to become three $40 billion companies. Right, right. Which is kind Imagine of... Imagine the growth possibilities. But the, but the crazy thing is that each of those $40 billion companies is going to have more monopoly power than either of the $60 billion companies do right now. Because basically, both of the $60 billion companies have three main business lines. It's agriculture... Um, what what are they, Jim? Oh, uh, agriculture, uh, uh, products, uh, materials like plastics and and so called specialty products. Those will be the three three divisions. And so they're they're both competing with each other on three fronts. And then what you do is you merge the two together. You split it up into three companies, and then then those three companies don't compete with each other at all. So in three different industries, they're being anti competitive. Yes, and 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 look, you know that is quite a feat. Price fixing and other anti competitive behavior is rife within this industry. Uh, and and is, has you know has been for decades. They made a movie about it. If you remember the informant um, oh, with Matt, with Matt Damon, Damon uh, based on the it was I mean that one was Archer Daniels Midland closer to the the Monsanto uh, kind of agriculture things. But the 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 price fixing allegations had been made by this guy that is played by Matt Damon named uh, Mark Whitaker, if memory serves. And uh, the so we, we sort of take it as a given that that there's a lot of kind of nodding and winking going on in this sector, but. Here's the other interesting thing. When you play on this level, when you are selling chemicals by the tens of billions of dollars a year, your chief competition uh, is actually state-run enterprises uh, outside of the United States. I suspect most Americans do not know these companies, but after BASF and Dow Chemical, the third largest chemical producer is Sinopec. Uh, part of the Chinese government. Uh, and then the next one after that is, I think it's Sabic. It's Saudi Arabia's chemical company. Now, presumably, state-owned enterprises do not go through this exercise of merging in order to spin off. Um, and yet that's what, what our companies need to do to compete with state-run enterprises. I find it very strange. Uh, but but I, 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 I was sort of struck by yeah, that. Yeah, and state-run enterprises are, are fascinating. And some of them are, um, you know, highly efficient and some of them are highly inefficient. And, it, yeah. and some of them can change. Like, for instance, Pedevesa, which is the Venezuelan oil company, used to be 
not that long ago, maybe 10 years ago, uh, certainly 15 years ago, one of the most efficient and advanced oil companies in the world. It was an incredibly professionally run operation. <laughs> I think Chavez took care of that. And yeah, and then Hugo Chavez comes in and basically fires everyone who's in charge of it and replaces them with a bunch of like army buddies of his. And now Pedavesa is a, I believe the technical term is a shit show. So, I mean, it brings up the question, like, how international are these companies? Very. Yeah? Yeah. I mean... So they really are competing with Saudi Arabia and China. Yeah. And Germany, which is which is why I suspect the antitrust concerns, while, while of course they should be investigated, will probably not uh, put, a, put a stop to this merger because there is, there is a relatively robust global marketplace. The demand for these chemicals is is clearly global. How much how much lobbying money do these companies spend? I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's in the millions of dollars because they're highly regulated industries. Yeah, scary. Okay, so we are gonna move on to the numbers round. Yay! But first, Slate Money is also brought to you by the Message, which is an original science fiction podcast which Panoply has put together with GE Podcast Theater. Hi, Nikki Tomlin here, and I'm the host of The Message. I'm going to take you into an elite cryptography think tank and check it out. Their top project right now is to decode a highly classified radio transmission from the 1940s. Have you listened to it yet? Not yet. Uh, We're having a discussion about that. But if I offered you the chance to listen to it right now... Sounds like a no. Well, we don't really know what it is. Voices, music, breathing. But, you know, I'm not going to mess with that thing. To sum it up, extraterrestrials. Subscribe to The Message on iTunes. Numbers. I have an awesome, awesome. So, 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 Jim has told us like he's really twice average. now he's that oversold he's oversold really, it. Really yeah, you're probably number. right. I have oversold it, but I'm so excited by this number. It's not the number per se. I just think this topic is one of those ones that makes me thwack my head. Um, the number is 1.3 million dollars. That is the number this week that uh, a fine that was uh, levied by the Federal Trade Commission against Nordstrom. Bed Bath & Beyond, JCPenney, and an online retailer called Backcountry.com. Uh, $1.3 million divvied up among the four because they uh, the FTC accuses them of passing off rayon as bamboo in a variety of products, some of which are wow. uh, bed linens for babies mm. and sort of all this stuff. And this is... The, the reason the FTC is so pissed is that they had deliberately warned retailers in 2010 not to do this. But apparently people are so bamboozled by the oh. idea by the idea of bamboo that that, that they can't they can't help it. The, 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 the funny thing being, you know, rayon sounds very kind of like space age artificial chemically. Um, it, it really is a kind of reconstituted cellulose. You can you can do things to, to bamboo that make it essentially rayon on and kind of almost vice versa. There's very little difference. And obviously, consumers like what they're buying. Right. You know, they think it's bamboo. They're, they're happy with it. They're not taking it back, saying, you know, get rid of this, this, this rayon out of my house. So if it, the, the, the problem here is that people seem to be too in love with the idea of products made from bamboo. I, well, I, the problem here is that people don't understand 
there's this distinction between natural and artificial, between chemicals on the one hand and natural things on the other hand. People like bamboo because it grows out of the ground and it's natural right. and, and, and it goes and, quickly. And pandas eat it. There's know? good things about bamboo, actually. Yeah, yeah. but, 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 you would, but I, the fact is that chemically speaking, it's really not that dissimilar from rayon. Right, once you make it into, once you make it into a sheet. It's, yeah. it's 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 panda totally panda charming yeah. qualities have, have <laughs> been it's still ironed false, out of it. False and advertising. It is false advertising. I'm not I'm not trying to defend the retailers as much as it's the the retailers have created this problem in a sense, or the marketers have created this problem by making people fall in love with bamboo. When when obviously rayon does just as well, um, they should just learn to like make people like rayon. Um, they should rename rayon. Yeah, Rayon needs a, needs a new with brand three O's or yeah. something. Well, you see, Rayon was <laughs> named like I think around the same time as as nylon, nylon. back when like chemicals were, were cool, cool, and exactly. now chemicals are uncool. Exactly. <laughs> make chemicals cool again, and you will make have chemicals to pay cool the again. And, million and in the meantime, Kathy is doing yeah, her I, bit for making chemicals. cool I did forget again. to mention how environmentally horrible the K cups are, so I'll just throw that in right now. Oh, good. Let's let's fix that as well. Leave the bamboo to the pandas. We'll make our sheets out of Rayon. So my number is a hundred million dollars, and it's. It was actually already mentioned. I was a little bit worried that you guys would go uh, so far as to uh, mention my number before it was time. But it's the price that Alibaba is paying um, uh, for the South China Morning Post. Oh, yeah. is, that, is, that, is that an esti- is it that the actual number? Well, that's an estimate. Um, but I think I think it's like one or two hundred million dollars, something around there. The South China Morning Post is what one hundred and twelve years old. This venerable oh, uh, paper. It's pretty old, and it's won a lot of awards, and it's in English. It's printed in Hong Kong. and um, Do we know the circ? Do we know how big it is? It's got 100,000 print circulation. It's oh, pretty small. It's pretty small, but it's influential. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. And I read so, it, actually. So the Alibaba, which is like the China Amazon, right? The, those guys over there, they both want to influence um, how English speaking newspapers talk about China. Right. And they claim that they're going to leave editorial independence to the South China Post, so Morning Post. So it's kind of interesting. This is, I mean, so on the one hand, you can spin this as the end of freedom of expression in Hong Kong, which was always this little island of freedom of expression in China. But on the other hand, I don't think there has actually been freedom of expression in Hong Kong for a while. But it just might be gradually going away, even any, you know, there, there wasn't very much anyway. And now there's even less. Yeah, let's put it that way. And I feel honor-bound to do this. I kind of didn't want to, but because Jordan's not here, I need to step in. Oh, that's in. so sweet. And, I know what it is. And so, yeah, we're, gonna, we're just going to say that his best friend, Martin Shkreli... Mm-hmm. From Hunter High School. From Hunter High School, went and bought, once upon a time in Shaolin, the Wu-Tang's oh. album for... $2 million, because it's the only copy of the album. And this is much less than the Wu-Tang officially, uh, originally wanted to sell it for. But it is still, my colleague Kelsey at Fusion did the back-of-the-envelope sums on this one. It is still significantly more than they could reasonably have hoped to get by just releasing it. Is like, that right? Normally. Two million bucks? Yeah. Is that really true? Two mi- a, a famous rock group can't get two million bucks for an album? Well... What is the world coming to? I mean, they're only going to get a percentage of, of sales, right? So you'd probably have to sell, like, I don't know, 10 million or 5 million to get 2 million. They, their, their last album, they only, only sold 60,000. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're a little past their prime. There, there too, was a, 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 a group that was the, the more than the sum of its parts. I think uh, 
old dirty bastard alone was probably worth more than Wu-Tang. Do you think Jordan is crying into his McDonald's coffee right now? The, well, I think Jordan is trying to come to terms with the idea that if he ever wants to listen to this album, he's going to have to hang out with Martin <laughs> Shkreli. And Martin Shkreli was on the record saying, yeah, I haven't actually got around to listening to it yet, but if Taylor Swift wants to come around and listen to it, then I will. Oh, my God. He is, he really is the worst. He really is the worst human being. I will just end this podcast by saying the official model at motto of Slate Money is cash rules everything around me. On which note, we are going to bring this discursive episode of Slate Money to a close. A massive, huge thanks to the one and only Jim Ledbetter for coming in, for being amazing. And so, yes, subscribe to his podcast, Ink Ink Uncensored. Uncensored. Thank you, Felix. Because because no one, because if if you just read his magazine, Ink, then there's censorship going on. But for the podcast... (laughs) <laughs> For the podcast, there's no censorship. That's so right. Li- listen to the podcast. Um, many thanks to Zach Dynastine and Andy Bowers and Steve Lichtai as the new executive producer of Panoply. So we have to thank him. He was deeply involved in this yeah. podcast. Not, but he will be. Blame um, him. Blame him. Yeah. All of the rest of Panoply's podcasts can be found at iTunes.com slash Panoply. Um, and we'll talk to you next week on Slate Money. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.